What is the state of your union? Another easy day. This is B-Notes. Hey, hey, and this is Ruby J all day. Let's talk marriage. You click the link so you know who it is. Welcome to another episode of State of Your Union. And this is the last episode of season two. So you, season two. You know what we do. If you're next to your spouse, take their hands and let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, and we just thank you for another wonderful day. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you for sex found in marriage. We thank you that you created it for us. One husband, one wife. And we thank you, God, for the listeners. We thank you for clarity found in the scriptures. And we thank you, God, for all that you're going to do in and through marriages, through this podcast discussion. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture for today's podcast is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, and it reads, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. We have talked about centering an episode around the topic of sex for a while now. Wouldn't you say, Ruby J? Yeah, we've been putting it out there saying we're going to do it. Well, today is the day. With us today, we have the founders of Abide in the Word. This couple believes their calling is to restore marriages to God's original design, which is much needed right now. Just a little bit about Joe and Ramona Bailey, though. Is Joe and Ramona, they established the marriage ministry of Abide in the Word to educate husbands and wives in the knowledge of God's word, counsel in the understanding of God's word, and mentor personal one-on-one discipleship to apply God's word. They have been serving and ministering to couples for 31 years, married for over 33 years to each other and no other. They have two adult sons, Jonathan and Jared. Please, Help us welcome Joe and Ramona Bailey to So You. Thank you very much for joining us today. Before we jump into today's topic, we just wanted to note to our listeners, if you guys haven't read this book, please stop what you're doing. Hit the pause button and get a copy of this book right now. Don't worry. Don't worry. We will wait because this is so important. And we know that, that couples, this is something that couples talk about what um, you have challenges with. And so we have an opportunity today to just kind of remove all filters and get right into talking about sex in the realm of marriage. Now, Sex Explosion is, uh, it's a part of a marriage series and there is a workbook created for wives by the same name. So whichever platform you use, we put it in the show notes. Now, Joe and Mona, we know that intimacy is a huge topic in marriage, but today we want to narrow the focus specifically discussing sexual intimacy. This is a topic we believe you can assist us in unpacking with over 30 years ministering. So let's dive right in with a couple of questions. So first, we're going to start with with uh, the forward of the book. 
So in the forward, we see that Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oakland Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, states no subject creates more conversation, controversy, and confusion than the subject of sex. So explain to us, what is sexplosion? And why do you think sex is so important in marriage? All right, I'll take, uh, I'll take this first question. And actually in this question, I see three uh, separate areas um, to address and I'll try to address them all as quickly as I can here for the sake of time. Um, the part of the question that uh, deals with the controversy and confusion uh, about sexual intimacy. I think that um, that controversy and confusion uh, exists because most people, and we're just gonna leave it at Christians, most Christians don't invest time and study the word and they don't invest time in studying the word uh, to be so they can't apply it to their lives. So whenever you're using something and you don't use the proper instruction manual, you're not gonna get the benefit from that item. And sex is no different. Uh, if you're trying to engage in sexual intimacy and you don't know what God's word says about it, and that's where we start because he's the creator of it, we believe, uh, you're gonna have some issues. It's like trying to use a lawnmower with the instruction manual for a toaster. Uh, you're not gonna have a lot of success there. That's what I think breeds the controversy and the confusion. And we've also experienced where a vast majority of the pastors at the churches we speak at, where they themselves are very uncomfortable with the subject. So if people are not studying to get the information and they're not getting it from the pulpit, uh, they simply don't have it. So they're lost and confused. So I think that breeds the controversy and confusion and the door now is left open for someone else to come in and give us instruction. And that person is usually the enemy through media and uh, social media and stuff like that, books. Uh, now, the second part, what is sexplosion? Well, sexplosion is, you're not gonna find that in any scripture, but uh, Ramona, Ramona and I recognize that sex for so many people uh, especially before coming to Christ and even after, is just a physical act. So you just get the physical release from it, and then that's the end of it. But we recognize that when there is a connection, uh, man is a tripart or three-part being, and when there is a connection between both people uh, spiritually, they're both serving and enjoying and growing in the same God, emotionally, they both feel important and valued by each other. Uh, and then the connection physically, sex take on, takes on a, a, a new meaning. And we came up with that word to describe it. So that's kind of where that word sexplosion uh, came from. Oh, man, that's good. Wow. Well, and you know what? I think there's some things that you said that really kind of hit me in, in particular. You said that you know, Christians in particular, you know, we, if we read the word, you know, a lot of us are not reading the word as we should, but even when we do, we are not applying it. And I think those are key when you said reading and applying the word, because I think sometimes we have a tendency to 
read the word and apply what we feel comfortable with. True. Um, taking from it what we feel comfortable with. So True. Really, really, really great points. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I know that, that there are a number of married people too. You mentioned that, um, you know, talking about it either from the pulpits, but also, you know, home is where change and instruction should begin. And I know that there are a number of married people that would say that their parents did not even teach them about sexual intimacy in the framework of marriage. And most of what they learned about sex was derived from, you know, the entertainment industry, movies, TV, videos. Share your thoughts about that. You know, Keijan and Ruby, you guys are on point. That is so true. And when you stop and think about it, in our 30 years of marriage ministry, plus um, um, we have surveyed to identify who taught you about sex. And most of the time, uh, almost 99% of the time, it was not the parent. And and there are a lot of reasons for that. You know, parents themselves sometimes say they have a lack of knowledge or there could be a fear or they could be embarrassed uh, or they have the mindset of you'll find out when time comes. But parents should be teachers of all things to their children, including sexual intimacy, even youth ministries. There's a component that the church youth ministry can be teaching uh, uh, young so that when they do say I do, they're prepared and ready. Even in parenting ministries, that should happen, but it doesn't. And what happens when um, there is a lack of knowledge of people are not sharing God's word or the truth or the freedom that God blesses the marriage bed with, that opens the door for someone else to teach. And who is that? That's the entertainment. That's the media. And right now, in particular, social media and, and YouTube, there's just so much opportunities now for uh, wrong teaching. And uh, when you, when you, when you, receive wrong teaching. There is no standard. There are no boundaries. And whatever they do teach, it may be one thing today and another thing tomorrow, like the weather in Texas. Um, <laughs> but when you think about it, um, when you don't know, you'll listen to anything and you'll think it's right. And then guess what? You begin to mimic what you hear and what you see. And then when you say, I do, and you don't really have that true knowledge from God, you welcome, you open the door to a false sense of intimacy. You, you're fantasizing, you're visualizing, you're lusting of what you've seen in the media. And oftentimes that's not true for the marriage bed. That's not true. Uh, you adopt the mindset as the media or entertainment industry says, anything goes. You see it, so go get it. No boundaries. And then you have the mindset, it's not, intimacy is not confined to marriage, but God says that it is. Uh, and, and then you have the mindset of, oh, as a Christian, you get to the point of saying, uh, uh, God says no. But guess what? There are many places where God says yes, but the falsehood of the entertainment industry, unfortunately, leads and defines what should be happening in the marriage bill. Why? Because we haven't been taught properly. That is so on point. That is so on point. And it is no surprised that Satan was the music of uh, the minister of music, right? I mean, he right. is all about the lights, camera, action, and that is what he's using that channel right. to redirect. And you're so you're so right. I think for for married couples, the ones that and I, and I I think that you guys would agree with this, the ones that we have the privilege to to walk alongside, what we find is that there is a a, a hesitancy or almost an embarrassment to speak about sex 
which is interesting because sex was given to us by the one who created it. But, you know, to your point, it, it seems like culture has taken that and they're trying to redefine it, something that they can't redefine because it's ours and God gave it to us. So really, really, really great points. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, because, you know, we're, the enemy has tried to take over that. You know, one thing is, is that it has created different, a, a different perception of what sex is. And so taking those thoughts into consideration that you just mentioned, what would you say to a spouse that is frequently left unsatisfied sexually in the bedroom? How do couples learn to sexually satisfy one another or even begin the conversation with one another. Ooh, Brother Kedra, you ask about three different questions there. So let's see if we can break that down. And when a spouse is left unsatisfied, and you know what, and, and, and how do you have those conversations? That's one of the reasons, or one of the many reasons we wrote the book, Sexplosion, because we wanted to address all of those things. I saw that time and time again in, in, in marriages and wives would say that. And you know, the root of it was the lack of knowledge. And what does God say? He says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And so you, yeah. when you come to the table and you sit down with your sponsor, you're thinking, okay, I don't know what to ask. I just know that I feel unsatisfied. I don't feel pleasure. I'm not getting anything out of this, in particular for women. But men also have allowed the entertainment, and, and both sexes at this point, have allowed the entertainment world to come in and say, I'm not getting what I see in, in 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 the media, I'm not getting what I see in um in in, in from, from what I've heard from others. So then they feel that like they're unsatisfied. So it becomes down to um uh, how to. And I think there are so many doors that have been opened that have led to being unsatisfied. As I said earlier, when we were talking about the entertainment, um, when you're watching movies, one of the key things that you see is um. um this 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 glamorous uh, style of of lovemaking, and they forget that that's the, the the movies. So women come into marriage and they begin faking orgasms. Um, they don't know what to ask, and they feel like and and then men come in thinking they're Casanovas and they want to be able to uh, run in and take control. So what do you do? Talk, T A L K. Talk to one another, and 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 set aside a special time maybe one day a week to talk about how to satisfy what you like, what you don't like, how you like it, how you like to receive it. And, but you have to be a student. When you're sitting down with your spouse, you can't come to the table thinking you're know, all, know it all, but willing to be a student, learn to listen, uh, learn how to, and when your spouse is telling you how to touch them, touch them that way. As sex explore, one of the words we like to say, explore one another's bodies. Just learn to experiment. That's just, uh, do things together with one another and talk about it and explain to each other. But we have left the conversation, the talking, doing lovemaking out. It's just an act anymore. There's no longer an intimacy part of it. So to satisfy one another, spend some time talking and teaching and touching and exploring and experimenting. Set aside one day we can talk about it. In the book, one of the things we did in chapter seven is called Intimacy Conference. It teaches you how to talk 
to one another. It, it, it's amazing you have to start to teach somebody how to talk. But we learn how essential it is to have those conversations where they're productive conversations and they're not uh, fighting with one another. But begin to have those conversations where through an intimacy conference, and then that will, you will recognize that that would draw you guys closer together. And those conversations can be fun. It can be exciting. It can enhance not only lovemaking, but also your emotional intimacy with one another. So that increases your knowledge. That can increase your satisfaction. That can increase your emotional intimacy. And then you can begin to pray before you are intimate with each other and learn how to be satisfied with each other. So it's key, essential, that conversation, that sex exploring, that sex experiment, make it happen. That's good. That's good. That is great. And and at the end of the day, I think you said so much there that resonates with, I think, many of our listeners as as a wife, you know, and and having conversations with wives and seeing these things on TV and how you, you know, you begin to feel like you're supposed to act or even going way back to like Disney, the happily ever after kind of thing. And someone's going to come and save you. And, you know, it's just so good. This book is a to do is it's a how to have sex explosion in your marriage from the lens of how God defined it. And there's not a lot out there for Christians to, you know, reference. And so that's why we really implore our listeners to, to take the time and, and seek help through this book. Yeah. And you know, um, you spoke on, Hosea chapter four, verse six, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And and thank you for adding that scripture in. I, I think that it's really a great touch point. You know, today's verse that we talked about uh, at the beginning of the podcast is Hebrews 13 and four. Uh, the culture has drastically tried to distort that scripture surrounding the subject of sex to the point that some people may think it is impossible for couples to enter into marriage without some sort of preconceived ideas. One of the questions um, that we want to talk about is uh, if a spouse, here it is, and I'll read it directly. My spouse keeps hitting, hinting about us participating in an orgy. I'm not clear on how to apply biblical truth about the scripture that the marriage bed is undefiled in an orgy situation if we both are participating in the orgy. Now, Joe, Ramona, we're getting into the thick of it now. Yeah, the all. <laughs> yeah, so how would you how would you address this couple's situation? All right, uh, let me take my gloves off and get to it. Uh, this is a tremendous, tremendous uh, verse. Uh, it requires some teaching, which uh, I'm not, I don't really have all the time for, so I'll just answer it straight straight up. Um, this verse, when it says the marriage bed, uh, it's referencing the bed that between two people that are married. Now that's a starting point. And what, what happens there in a bed between two people that are married? Usually intimacy and or sleeping. Well, the verse doesn't have to talk about sleeping being defiled or not. So clearly it's talking about uh, sexual intimacy and, and we even more recognize that when we get into the second half of 13 and four, uh, which I'll talk about a little, a little more uh, later. 
So once we recognize that the verse is talking about uh, intimacy between two, the two people that are married, what does it say about that intimacy? It says that it's undefiled. That word defiled uh, means unclean or dirty or putrid or sinful. So undefiled would be the opposite, clean, pure. So the book, the verse is saying that sexual intimacy between two people that are married uh, is pure and clean. Then the second half of the verse, but God will judge the adulterers, the uh, sexually immoral, some versions say sexually immoral and adulterers. Some say uh, fornicators and adulterers. Um, but all of those words, sexually immoral, adulterers, fornicators, even though, though they all mean something a little different, they all have one thing in common. And that one thing is this sex with someone you're not supposed to be having sex with. And, and, and in God's eyes, the persons we're only supposed to be having sex with is our spouse. Now, what is an orgy? An or orgy is a sexual uh, encounter that involves three or more people. So if we apply three or more people to a married couple, you would have a married couple having sex with a third person uh, that they're not married to. Now, if we go back to the verse, we're applying the verse to the act. If we go back to the verse, the verse says that it's undefiled if it's between the two people that are married. So when you introduce a third person, since you can't be married legally in God's eyes or in the laws of the land to, for now to, to more than one person, whenever you introduce a third uh, person into the mix, anything above your spouse, uh, you've now introduced the second half of the verse, which is sexual immorality or adultery or fornication however you want to uh, look at it, uh, you're having sex with someone that you're not married to. So that would mean that an orgy or any type of act where you're inviting in a third person or a person that you're not married to, it becomes off limits. Now, someone having sex with someone that you're not married to uh, opens up a big door. You can't have sex with another person, another animal, because you're introducing someone into the marriage that you're not married to. You didn't marry a dog or a chicken or a pig or a flea or your a tick or any, your next door neighbor, your wife's sister. Since you didn't marry those people, sex with them uh, is off limits. Now I'm gonna say this last thing and then I'm gonna stop. That even introduces sex with yourself. When I went down the aisle, I didn't look at my hand and say, I take you hand to be my lawfully wedded wife. I said that to Ramona. So then that means that even, even the hand with myself is off limits. So uh, in particular, separate from Ramona. Now there are things you can do with your spouse that doesn't involve another entity or yourself, uh, but your wife can be involved with, uh, i.e. maybe a sex toy or something. That's another question that we haven't been asked yet. So anyway, to answer the question of, about the orgy, the orgy is off limits. You can't do it. It, it introduces um, sexual immorality 
God says he's going to judge that. And by judge, he means condemn or try or punish. Uh, and we don't want that. That makes the marriage bed uh, defiled. And we need to keep it undefiled. I'm going to stop here. Yeah, you, you know what? You uh, took the gloves off. Yeah, the gloves. Yeah, officially are off, and yeah, they we we threw the gloves away. Uh, so here's the thing, because I I think there's nothing else that needs to be said. It just goes back to what you guys started the conversation off by saying you need to know the word, and when you know it and you apply it, and that's applying the word and the meaning behind the marriage bed is undefiled. So. You can do better when you know better. And this, this book is going to help, along with its alignment yeah. with the word of God, help marriage know better. And that, that that's our prayer. Um, so the next thing is, you know, it, so we're talking about, you, you mentioned, you know, you, we didn't say I do to our hands and, you know, we didn't say our, I do to, to our next door neighbors. You know, so how do we um, address situations where you know how often should couples have sex you know what's the best way to address situations where your spouse wants to emulate something that they've seen on tv or you know heard in in, in a song or on a in the strip club seen on a pole somewhere how, how do you address that? wow that's 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 a good question uh, ruby the um and, and let me look at the first one you says how often should uh should you have sex and i hear that question a lot uh in particular from women and so i often will ask them a question with a question why is that a question why do you ask that is it because there's a difference in uh, the the amount of between the husband and wife your desire or your pleasure or your interest is there a difference in your need is there a difference in your want is there a difference in your priorities why is that a question. So you have to ask, answer that question first. Why are you asking that? And um, when you look at it from 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 the biblical perspective, God doesn't say how often. What He does say is don't deprive. So when you get to First Corinthians chapter seven, verse five, it says don't deprive, don't deny. And so now you have to come back and say, well, I am, when a wife says, I'm not interested in all that. I don't want to have it every day. I don't want to have it morning, noon, and night. Most often he's not asking morning, noon, and night. And I tell wives, and we talk about it a little bit in the book, if he's asking morning, noon, and night, perhaps there comes a lack of knowledge how to satisfy him, that he is fulfilled, that he may not be needing it every morning, noon, and night. So take care and take care good. And the frequency may not be morning, noon, and night. So that's another little workshop for wives and how we get into that. But as as, as we look at, um, uh, talk with your spouse. What is it um, that, that, that may not be fulfilled as we talked about earlier? Uh, and, and have the mindset of, I'm going to serve to satisfy my spouse. I want to be able to put my spouse's needs above my own. And I think um, there are phases in life that we go to that your libido does increase more uh, at times. And so it may be a morning, noon, and night because of the phase of life you're in. We can talk about that, you know. But um, I think if you look at God's word says, it talks about serving to satisfy others. 
It talks about putting the needs of your, your spouse above your own, Philippians 2. It talks about doing it to others as you would have them to do unto you. Do a self-analysis. Ask yourself, why do you think you can't or don't want to respond to your spouse with the frequency that's being asked of you? That's a great self-analysis that I think is very important that you have to address when you're talking about how often do you have to have sex. And then oftentimes what I've seen and what we've experienced is that, um, listen to this, the emulation or the mimicking or the copying of what they see in porn and videos and the media, that that, that can, um, that causes problems. One, because God says don't, don't invite someone else in. And uh, now let me, let me, so let's, let's get deep with this. I recently, oh, yeah. <laughs> but then put your seatbelt on, we're going we're gonna to go for a ride here. There was, there's a famous magazine, right. and in this magazine, it advertised a Christian sex video. Hmm. Now the Christian cannot bring other people or other images into the marriage bed. We just talked about that in Hebrews 13. So who should teach you and excite you? is your spouse, not a porn video, not a, a magazine, not even the movies that you see. So be on guard. What you're seeing in the movies, ooh, that is very misleading. You're building your spouse up to be like uh, the, the people in the movies. You're wanting that romance uh, that's portrayed in the movies. That may not be your spouse. So you can't mm -hmm. mimic what you see in movies and porn and videos because you set your marriage up for fail. Okay, and unless you're talking about this is how I like to be romanced, or this is how I like to be touched, or this is how I like for you to do these things to me, then your house, your spouse knows exactly what you like, not what they're mimicking from the video. Okay, you and some wives will say, uh, and we've had husbands say, um, can 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 you tell my spouse what to do? No, you need to tell your spouse how to make love to you and how to please you. Because you're not asking your spouse to perhaps go back in his memory bank and remember something he did with a former female. You don't want to bring that into your marriage bed. Uh, that opens the door for the enemy. Close that door and go back to learning how to satisfy one another. What's portrayed in the movies is not what often satisfies your spouse. Ask your spouse how to satisfy them. Now, let, let, me, let me talk about something. If there's an addiction to porn and videos, I'm going to say to you, which means you can't stop. You just got to have the videos. Baby, let's watch this video. Let, let's spice up our marriage. No, when you're so addicted, you need to go and address that because that is causing dissension. That's making your spouse feel like they got to be that person in that video. They can't live up to that image. Remember, it's just a movie. It's just a video. And that's not real life in your marriage bed. What may be occurring in the video may not be seen. But don't let that video drive what you do or what your spouse do. There's nothing wrong with your spouse dancing, twerking, doing various moves. There's no sin in that. But don't have the expectation that they got to do it like that person in that video. And then yeah. that comes a conversation for the two of yeah. you guys to be talking. Uh, don't need to emulate. Person, one another. You don't need to be degrading one another, but you do need to be respecting and loving and caring and being considerate of the other person's needs. So be careful what you bring into your marriage bed. I, uh, I actually, I actually want to add a little bit of something here. Where I have this, the where it talks about 
what the per emulating what's been seen in porn music and strip clubs, uh, it's even sin uh, to go to these uh, forms of entertainment because actually what you're doing is you are inviting a third person uh, into your intimacy because you're using the image of this girl that you see on the stage or in the video or in the porn movie, you're using the looks of that person to turn you on. And once you get turned on, now you're going to your wife because your wife is physically there. So you're using this third person on the stage as something to get you aroused. And I and you, mostly it's men involved in these forms of, of uh, activities, but there are women who are, uh, women are getting more and more involved. And men who do this, how would you like it if your wife came home one day and said, well, I got turned on from looking at my boss in his tight shirt. And now that I'm hot from looking at him, I, I want you to fulfill my need because he ain't here and you are. Because that's what's happening. Well, most men would uh, rebel, re reject, or resent that. But that's no different than what the man, man is doing by going to these um, forms of activity. And let me give you scripture in case you say, that's his opinion. He ain't got no scripture to support that. God's word says, if you look on a woman to desire her sexually, you have committed adultery in your heart. So you've committed the adultery just desiring her. And if men will be honest, when we see a nude woman in a porn movie or a music video who's scantily clad or at a strip club who's scantily clad or even nude, we, we desire what we see because we're aroused by what we see. Men are aroused by sight. So, so looking at a half naked or fully naked woman, we desire what we see. We only go home to our wife because the wife is at home. But if that girl on that stage could come home with us, we'd certainly take her home. And now you've even more brought a third person in. So the husband or the wife shouldn't even be using porn, music videos, or strip clubs uh, as a form of arousal or any other kind of entertainment. I'm done. Um. Yeah, that that right there is. Uh, I think I think that's more. We we've unpacked so much there, and I think you know everything that you said. You know, because I've seen even now wives in my discussions with them yep. going yep. to these strip clubs with their their husbands. Like that makes it better. So I think you know, calling that out, and then also the scripture as to why that is. It doesn't align with God's word. So so thank you for that. There is another question specifically related to anal sex. Um, the question is, my husband wants to try anal sex on me. I told him I am fine with trying it as long as he lets me use a toy and try it on him first so that he can really understand what he's asking of me. Can you share your thoughts from God's perspective about anal sex in general, but then in particular, this particular situation and this, this question back um, that this this spouse has to her. Well, that's a that's a that's a deep question, and 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 there there are a lot of things in that question, uh, and so in my ministering to wives, uh, there's always a, a, something beyond what they're really asking, and so there's a part of that question that um, makes me wonder 
if 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 what she's asking is it like let's make a deal and sexual intimacy should never be vindictive i ain't gonna mm-hmm. do for you until yeah. or let me do you see if you like it. and if you don't like it then don't ask me and so sexual intimacy should never be looked at it from that perspective there are various other forms of sexual in- intimacy that can be unpleasurable or undesirable when there's a lack of know-how. So I kind of say that I, I, my takeaway from her question is that is she also asking, I don't want to do that because it's unpleasurable, it's undesirable, or maybe because I just don't think it's right to do. But we don't ever question yeah. other forms of sexual intimacy like yeah. we do on anal sex. You don't have to have anal sex, but it's not a sin. You don't have to help yeah. Yeah, it, see, and that's yeah, that that's the point. Right. That's the point right there, right there. Because I can tell you, in in my marriage, to get personal, I actually right. went to a conference right. here in Texas, and there was a conference, and they all these married people around. They had some single folks too, but the the main speaker, her topic, one of the topics was about anal sex and the fact that it isn't right. um, in order. It right. isn't biblically aligned. And so there is that misinformation out there. Yeah, and, sure. it, and it is. And so one of the key things is that you've got to get into God's word to know God's word, to be able to, uh, he, he says that it's the word that does what? Set you free. And mm-hmm. God blesses the marriage bed. And he says, it's not nasty, it's not dirty, it's not filthy. As people have said, the se- some forms of sexual act, are, they will say that we're mimicking the world. No, the world has taken what God has done good and the world has turned it into something evil or something dirty or something, not God. So have a true understanding of that. Sexual intimacy is not sin. Anal sex is not sin. Oral sex is not sin. Um, um, Making love to your spouse with your hand is not sin. Don't call sin what God has called good. We have to be very careful that. God says that we are, in, in, in Genesis, when he created us, it's very good. In Psalms, it talks about we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are to bless and give God thanks for everything. God has given us erogenous zones all over our body, from our head to our toe. He has given us, the women, a special organ for sexual uh, orgasmic pleasure. And oftentimes, people miss that. There's a form of orgasmic pleasure through anal sex. But if you don't know how to, you will miss it. So um, it, it's not dirty, it's not nasty, it's not filthy, but we've got to learn how to make love with one another, simply by talking. If that husband says, okay, babe, this is how I like to do it, and their wife in the act of saying, oh, I like that. And so in the book, we do talk about anal sex. We even talk about the how-to, because in the 30 years of marriage ministry, there's one, the, the, what we have in the book is what many women have, sought, have taught. This is the way. And a lot of people don't know why. That's why they're turned off by it. What did the yeah. woman give as her biblical support for saying it was wrong to do? She pulled up Google and said, if you if you look up sodomy, um, because that's what it is, um, sodomy is a crime. Um, to um, and, and she said that the, the definition had changed um, as a result of some sexual heinous act that was done um, 
on a child. So it was a, a pedophile situation. And she said that definition in Google and all the law. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know I'm not the only married woman in here that is not agreeing to this, you know, like it. But yeah, that's what she was saying. It wasn't, it wasn't based on the word of God. She Googled. So there's so much you can Google. You can find Google, you can find anything um, right, on Google right. that aligns with your so true. thought. So true. It doesn't make it right. But God's word is yeah. always the foundation of who now, we run to. Not Google, not Big Mama, not Sister Sally, but it is God's word that dictates and drives our decision. And so what what does that mean? You got to be in the word. So when you when you when you raised your hand and asked the question, uh, so Hebrews 13 and 4 says intimacy between two people that are married is clean. And that's something that can be done between two people that are married. So where then do you get that it's uh, sin or wrong? What was her answer to that? Yeah, no, I didn't even, I didn't raise my hands because I'm sitting there like thinking, is there truth to this? So, you know, this is something that, that I was struggling with for a while. This was, you know, 10 years ago. And I'm thinking, is this, and it also kind of aligned with what I'd heard before. So it was something that, that I'd heard. Um, and, you know, so I had to dig deep in myself and go back to the word and also get counsel to make sure that I understood. So she and I had a conversation after during, you know, the, the break. And I told her that that was something that I hadn't heard before, Googling and not really pointing to what the word of God says. Um, and I left it at, at that, but you're right. I mean, at this point, you know, right. wiser, you, when you right. know better, you can do better. It goes back to that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's good because that's something that our podcast is, is well known for. Um, one thing that we always say is there is no condemnation wherever your marriage is right now. Let's start from now doing better. Let's start from now giving God glory. Let's start from right now. Make a change. You got the workbook now. We, we gave you plenty of time to, to order it already. So let's start from right now and let's give God glory in the area of sexual intimacy in our marriage. Ramona, one of the things you touched on earlier, and Joe, you kind of touched on too, but Ramona, you said that that husband, he wanted morning, noon, and night. He is a stud. But listen, for the rest of us, uh, there is a time uh, sometimes marriage life goes through different seasons, different phases, uh, such as, you know, erectile dysfunction or menopause or other health challenges, birth control, childbearing, you name it. Uh, how does sexual intimacy change, whether it increases, decreases, or potentially uh, there could be a season where it's, it's non-existent at all for medical reasons? And what are ways to maintain sexual intimacy if at some point you cannot actually have physical uh, One of the things, uh, I think that's a good question. I think many, many questions, many couples enter this phase. And when they get to that phase, it really depends on where are you spiritually? Where are, your, where are you in your relationship with Christ? And then the, secondly, where are you in your relationship with your spouse? You have to build your relationship in your marriage on the word of God. And you guys have to connect throughout the years. So when you encounter a health problem or when you encounter life challenges, 
be they fears, be they children, be their hormones, be erectile dysfunction or age or menopause or whatever you may encounter, that through those issues of life, you guys still connect. You still connect, you still hold hands, you still kiss, you can still touch, you can still massage one another, you can still love on each other, you can still encourage one another, you can still build each other up, but your goal is to seek to be committed to serving as satisfying. One of the things I tell wives and I tell husbands is that to do this, when you enter a phase of life, when your sexual intimacy decreases, say for instance, if it's erectile dysfunction or if it's during the woman's pregnancy, begin to pray for one another. Pray for healing, pray for restoration, pray that the sexual desire uh, returns at, at, at an all time high. There is nothing wrong with praying for your sexual intimacy. You should pray for that weekly, if not daily. So when you encounter those 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 hiccups in life, that you are still connected and, and, and just even have sex explosion dates. Whether there is sex mm -hmm. involved or not, you're carving out time to really be be really be physical and, and emotional with one another. Talk through those differences. Talking is important that you commit to serving to satisfy and putting the needs of your spouse greater than your own. A lot of women, when they're pregnant, they say, oh, I can't have sex now. Oh, no, it's off time. Oh, I'm on my menstrual cycle. You better get away from me. Oh, I ain't feeling you today. One of those things that you can do to those time periods, your husband's not pregnant. Your husband's not all in, in, in a menopause state. You can still surf and satisfy him sexually, whether it's orally, whether that's you um, masturbating him with your hand, you can still be intimate with him in some way or some form. And likewise, husband, if you have erectile dysfunction, it's not the end of the world. A lot of men totally shut down when there's erectile dysfunction. Still love on your spouse, still kiss on her, still hold her hands, still touch her, still be intimate with her, even orally. There's even with your hand, even with a sex toy, there are still ways to enhance your intimacy. Life does not stop when you're not able to be sexually intimate with one another. Keep loving each other. Keep encouraging each other during those time periods. Wow. That sure is. I'm going to tell you, y'all said a lot of just jaw-dropping things. I'm going to tell you, before we, we close, um, there, there are some things that really stood out. One, from a, a, a wife, like from a, being a wife, um, that perspective and the wives that I, I talked to, you said, Ramona, you know, I hear this all the time too, where like my husband, he always want to have sex. I mean, sex, 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 that's always on his mind. Can he think of something else? I mean, oh my goodness, who needs sex that much? But I've never once said, but do you need to go yeah, back Lord. And look at the quality of sex that you have? That, that, that is mind blowing to me. Right. Even me personally, because I'm thinking, am I taking the time really to make sure that our time together yes. is completely satisfying for both of us? Like that, that's an opportunity for every marriage. So that's one thing. And then I think, Joe, you may have mentioned something about, uh, you know, people putting like Christian in front of it. Right. One of you said like Christian sex. Tips. Yes, it is. That, that, that's the oxymoron. Really all day long. So, you know, just being careful that just because just someone right. slaps Christian on something doesn't That's make right. it 
really in line with God's word. A big round of applause for our special guest, Joan Ramon Bailey. And again, get your hands on a copy of Sexplosion. This workbook is life changing. Uh, as this explosion book states, if you don't apply God's word, you will never experience accelerating explosions. You can purchase the workbook at www.abideintheword.org. We've included the link in the show notes. What better month than February, the month of love, to experience sexual intimacy in a more explosive way? Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so guys much, for having us. Really. It has been a blessing Bless to you us. Both. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Until next time. Bye. Before we end today's podcast, we wanted to make sure that we offer the free gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ to all listeners. We don't ever want to assume that you, our listeners, know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you want the free gift of eternal life, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising from the dead to save me. By transferring my total trust to you alone as my Savior, I now receive the forgiveness for my sins and the free gift of eternal life that you offer me. Listen, for those of you who made this decision from the heart, welcome to the body of Christ. Please reach out and let us know about your decision so that we can celebrate with you. As always, keep praying, stay encouraged, and know that we love you. Be blessed. We want to take some time just to thank those who've donated to this podcast thus far. Your generous gift really does matter. Together, as a State of Your Union, So You supporter, we can continue to offer trusted biblical principles today, tomorrow, and in the future. So thank you so much. And if you are listening and you want to know how to donate, there's a link in this podcast that will allow you to do just that. Also, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with others. We want to make sure that we get the word out there and we expand and extend our reach. Lastly, but not least, all the prayers that come in about this podcast, about marriages, we love that. As we continue to pray for you, please pray for us. And just know that we love you. Continue to pray and fight the good fight. Stay blessed.